This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, week one of the NFL season. NFL is back. Always a special time of the year, not only for sports fans because football comes back, but the weather begins to change. Kids go back to school. And, you know, sports takes on a life of its own. Before you know it, the the NBA starts, college hoops start, college football's already in full swing. We had a couple of upsets this week. I mean, you know, it's funny. I saw a lot of... uh, a lot of places where they were saying that the Oregon-Ohio State game was an upset. I mean, look, uh, both teams were ranked inside the top 15. I mean, I see where they're coming from, but you have to watch college football to really understand that that's not really an upset. But today's show is obviously NFL-driven like we do all the time during the NFL season. We're going to discuss every game that occurred this week in the NFL and we'll also give you a sneak peek as to the next week games because the next week games bring on a life of its own with a lot of 0-1 teams you cannot go 0-2 if you plan on being a playoff team I mean statistically speaking 0-2 teams do not make the playoffs very often and in terms of winning anything meaningful Going 0-2 puts you right behind the eight ball. But before we get started, let's pay some bills. Physical, Fairfield Physical Therapy Center, located in the Fairfield Commons Suite G106, is owned and operated by Justin Solotov, who has over 20 years of experience in the field of orthopedic physical therapy. Call Justin at 973-276-1313 and stop living with pain and discomfort. Epic Car Service. Epic Car Service is recognized as the number one car service in New York City by medical transportation standards. Located in the Bronx, New York, Epic Car Service will make your commute a safe and comfortable experience. Call Epic at 718-401-3742 or 844-666-62. 78. Lucimer Auto Body, located at 27 Austin Street in Newark, provides top-of-the-line service to make your collision experience as smooth as possible. Go to lucimer.com or call 973-824-0113 and tell Paul that Sergio sent you. Last Thursday, we kicked off the NFL season with a doozy. Dallas traveled to Tampa and you know it's a good game I thought the Cowboys had a good game plan I know a lot of people were on them about not running Zeke all game but the fact is in the NFL I'd rather have a team that's adjustable week to week than a team that's predictable and honestly that game plan of using Zeke essentially as a decoy and and, and throwing the ball on the perimeter and attacking that Tampa secondary that was beat up a little was the right game plan. And look, for the most part, I would say for 59 and a half minutes, it worked. The Cowboys were going to get out of there with a win, but they left too much time on the clock. There was a couple of 
dubious calls in that game. There was even an offensive pass interference on that drive. You're not going to get that call in that situation. But if you were a Dallas fan, you have to leave that game believing the same two, believing two things. Number one, that the Cowboys are going to be all right in the division that they're playing in. Um, They need Dak Prescott to be healthy, and he proved that. And they also need him to be the best quarterback in the league, which we all expect him to, in the division, I should say, which we all expect him to be, but he's got to play that way because best quarterback normally wins. And if they play that way, they should win that division. The other thing that it proves or that you left and you take away from that game is that Dallas continues to find a way to not win those games. I mean, eventually, you have to break through in those games. I mean, competing is good and dandy based on the fact that you're in a division that's weak. But at the end of the day, if you want to have hopes of ever winning anything meaningful, that game's got to be put away. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, two big drops in the game, one early. They just left too many points on the board. They, they, they probably left seven to ten points on the board with the drops, the missed field goal, missed extra point. It, it, it just was not conducive to win a game like that against a good team like Tampa Bay on the road. Dak was 42 for 58, 403 and three touchdowns. Had an interception that went off Lamb's hands and got returned the other way. Brady, 32 for 50, 379, four touchdowns, two interceptions. One of them was uh, also a tip ball that went off the hands of the running back. You know, the funny thing is that everywhere I I looked after the game, I read about Dak's volume of throws, throwing the ball 58 times. Brady threw the ball 50 times. So, I mean, that's just the NFL that we're in right now. Um, It, it is what it is. You're just going to have to live with it. And, and, and another thing that was surprising in this game was that as much as Dallas did not run the ball, they still ran the ball for more yards than Tampa Bay. You know, 60 to 52. Zeke only had 11 carries, like we said. Lamb did have a nice game, 7 for 104 and a touchdown. He did have two drops that were meaningful. Cooper had a monster game, 13 for 139 and two touchdowns. Brown, Antonio Brown for Tampa, 5-121 and a touchdown. Godwin had a nice game too, although he had a huge fumble going in that would have iced the game. 9 for 105, but a huge fumble. Uh, Tampa had four turnovers, and Dallas still couldn't win. That's concerning. Tampa Bay next week is home to Atlanta, which after the way they play almost seems like a bye, and Dallas is at the Chargers. The Eagles, 32-6 over Atlanta. Jalen Hurts, 27 for 35, 264, and three touchdowns. But... Let's relax on this guy. I, I I heard a couple of shows talking about, did, you know, did the Eagles finally have their quarterback? Let's remember that this is still a guy who was under 50% completion last year. And he played an Atlanta team that looked like it was comatose. It was the worst of all the games that I watched. Atlanta was the worst prepared team of any of the teams that played this weekend in week one. Philadelphia 
ran the hell out of the ball to the tune of 173 yards. They used three guys to do it. And look, Matt Ryan, we said that Atlanta probably should have drafted a quarterback. They didn't. They went tight end. 21 for 35, 164. They only had 260 total yards as a team. There were 26 penalties in this game. 12 of them were in at, were on Atlanta. That's the one thing that the Eagles are going to have to clean up. They had 14 of those 26 penalties going into next week because they play a 49ers team that... Uh, is going to come in looking to go 2 and 0 and if they have if they want a shot to win that game they cannot they cannot have that volume of penalties. Pittsburgh 23 to 16 over Buffalo, a little bit of a surprising score there to me personally. Um I a great road win for Pittsburgh, just an absolutely great road win for Pittsburgh at 13-10 Pitt. They blocked the punt Returned it for a touchdown with about 10 minutes to go in the fourth. You know, the alarming thing for Buffalo is that they were up 10-0 in this game at the half. And they let a team that essentially has an average offense come back with 17 fourth quarter points. Now, granted, like I said, seven of those came off a block punt, but still... A team that's primed to win the Super Bowl this year, like Buffalo should be, cannot blow an opening day game to a team like Pittsburgh, whose defense is strong, but offense is going to be a problem throughout the season. Pittsburgh won a game, just to give you an idea, where Ben, where Big Ben threw for 188 yards, they only ran for 75, they lost the time of possession by seven minutes, and Buffalo had twenty uh, out first down them twenty two to sixteen. If you're Buffalo, you can't lose that game. And if you're Pittsburgh, phenomenal win, phenomenal win. Pittsburgh's at home to Vegas in what should be one of the better games next week. And Buffalo is at Miami, and we're going to discuss that game because that game is going to be just for a major, major piece of the early lead in that league, in that division, because if Miami wins, they're going to be 2-0, and and Buffalo's already going to be essentially three games behind because they're going to be 0-2, but a game head-to-head. So that's going to be very crucial early on. Cincinnati 27-24 over Minnesota. Minnesota forces overtime after being down 24 to 14 going into the fourth. Cousins, 36 for 49, 351 and two touchdowns. Cook, 20 for 61 and a touchdown. One big fumble in that game. Joe Burrow, efficient as hell, 20 for 27, two touchdowns. Played great coming off the injury. Mixon, 29 for a buck, 27 and a touchdown. And Jamar Chase, the rookie, five for 101 and a touchdown. Look, Cincinnati, great win for them. I'm happy for Joe Burrow, but the offensive line still has to get better. They still allowed five sacks in this game. The Vikings, who I expect to be a good team this year, 
you know, sloppy as hell. Not only were they not overly sharp, you know, throughout the game as a un as, as as individual units, but they also had a boatload of penalties, 12 penalties for 116 in the game. Cincinnati is at Chicago. Minnesota is at Arizona. 49ers 41-33 over Detroit. The 49ers were up 38-10 and 41-17 before Detroit um, stormed back with two window dressing touchdowns in the last two minutes to make it look respectable. Jimmy G, 17 for 25, 314, a touchdown. There was even a Trey Lance sighting. He came in and threw a touchdown pass uh, early in the game. I, I believe it was their first score, actually. Elijah Mitchell came in for Moster, who got hurt again, and I feel terrible for him. He's out for the year. But Mitchell was 19 for 104 in a touchdown. Goff threw the ball damn near 60 times. He, he, he was on the Prescott pitch count. 38 for 57, 338, two touchdowns and a pick. The rookie running back for Detroit, DeAndre Swift, had 19 touches and 104 all Saquon yards in the game with a touchdown. Detroit has to travel on Monday night to Green Bay. Arizona 38-13 over Tennessee, 24-6 at the half, and the game was over. I mean, that game also got to 38-13 in the third, so, I mean, essentially, the fourth quarter was just basically, you know, a sparring match. Murray, 21 for 32, 289, and four touchdowns. Uh, he did throw an interception in the game. You know, the Titans were one of those teams that also, something was missing. They were not very well prepared to play this game. I don't know if it was the speed of Arizona. Um, you know, I, I, I really... I really don't know. Tennessee really had no rhythm the entire game. They only had 248 total yards of offense, and 86 of those were rushing, you know, to go along with those three turnovers that they had. Arizona's defense, look, they had six sacks. They forced three turnovers on the road against a good team. If they're going to do that, if they're going to do that, I think they're going to have a really good year because this offense is going to produce. They're going to put points on the board, particularly at home. Arizona's home to Minnesota, Tennessee with a tough one at Seattle. And speaking of Seattle, Seattle went on the road to Indianapolis and won 28 to 16. You know, at 14-10 after Indy's touchdown, Yes, yes. After an Indy touchdown in the middle of the second, um, Indianapolis had three punts, two turnover on downs, and one fumble. <laughs> I mean, that was your game. That was essentially your game. That was the stuff that wasn't happening last year. And I asked a couple of guys that I had on to do some previews before the season started if Indianapolis would be better or worse this year now that they had Carson Wentz and not Phillip Rivers. And everyone to a man felt they were going to be better. But these were the things that Phillip Rivers really did not do last year. You know, he wasn't spectacular, 
but he was very consistent for four quarters for them last year. Russ, 18 for 23, 254 and four touchdowns. Wentz making his debut, like we said, with the Colts, 25 for 38, 251, two touchdowns. Seattle's home to Tennessee, like we mentioned. Indianapolis hosts the Rams. The Chargers, 20 to 16 over Washington. Justin Herbert, 31 for 47 for 337 and one touchdown. He also threw an interception, by the way. Keenan Allen, 9 for 100. Uh, Washington loses their quarterback. They lose Fitzpatrick early. He's going to be done for a couple of weeks. Now they put him on the IR. So the earliest he could come back, I guess, would be week four or five. So now they're going to go with Heineke. Heineke came in. He was 11 for 15 for 122 and a touchdown. He wasn't bad, you know, but he also didn't do anything spectacular. Washington only had 15 first downs to so the Chargers 27. They ran 49 plays to so the Chargers 78, and they were outscored yardage-wise 424 to 259. You know, that's not going to cut it. And 133 of those were passing for Washington, which in a passing league, that ain't going to work. Not to mention that the time of possession was 36 to 24, which is just an obscene amount of, of, uh, of time of possession to allow to another team, especially a team with the Chargers offense. And listen, Washington stopped them. They held them to 20 points. You should win that game because that offense is high octane, but they just cannot score. The Chargers are home to Dallas, and Washington hosts the Giants on Thursday night. Carolina 19-14 over the Jets. The debut of Sack Wilson went well. It went well. You know, you're going to look at the score and say, well, they lost, but it went well. He showed you flashes that maybe the Jets might have gotten it right this time. 20 for 37, 258, and two touchdowns. Did have an interception. He was sacked six times, and they lost their number one pick from a year ago, that offensive line could become a little bit of an issue. I hope they rectify it and play call to keep Zach Wilson upright, even if they lose a couple of games this year. Because of that, just because you don't want him getting hurt. That's the one thing you got to get out of this year if you're the Jets. Get him experience and get him out of the season healthy. Corey Davis, five for 97 and two touchdowns. The Jets only ran 45 for 45 yards on 17 carries. So that's obviously something that has to be addressed next week against the Patriots. Sam Darnold playing against his former team was, you know, was solid. 24 for 35, 279, uh, 279 in a touchdown. McCaffrey, 21 for 98. And he also had nine for 89 out of the backfield in terms of catches. Game was 16-0 at the half. Really over at that point. You never expected the Jets to mount enough offense to win this game. Carolina's got a chance now to go 2-0. They beat the Jets and they host the Saints. Perfect recipe to get year two started for that coaching staff. The Jets are at home to face the Patriots. In a total snoozer, the Texans 37-21 over the Jaguars. Now, now, you know what? I shouldn't say snoozer. I mean, I guess it was a snoozer in terms of the teams that played. But there was over 800 yards of total offense in this game. You know, but only Houston had balance in this game. 
the Jags, total, total inexperience everywhere. Penalties, they had 10 penalties, lost time of possession, you know, it similar in a similar fashion to Washington, 36 to 24. They were down 34 to 7. Uh, you know, look, we know that Jacksonville is going to struggle this year. They're in a lot of the same situation as the Jets are. Keep Lawrence healthy. And Lawrence was 28 for 51, 332, and three touchdowns. He did have three interceptions, but that's okay. You know, get him the experience and get him through these games healthy. I was impressed with Tyrod Taylor's ability to move the ball and push it downfield. 21 for 33, 291. And, you know, he gave them a little stability in a in, in a organization that is struggling with stability now with the whole Deshaun Watson, right? The whole offseason was unstable. Tyrod Taylor came in there and did a couple of nice things. Houston travels to Cleveland, and the Jags are at home to Denver next week. Triangle Inc. Triangle Inc. is the leading manufacturer in the screen printing industry. Delivering the finest inks for over 35 years. Check them out at trianglelink.com or call them at 1 800 524 1592. Paramus Driving School. Safety and professionalism begins with Paramus Driving School, serving the North Jersey area like no other. Contact them at paramusdrivingschool.com or call them at 201 986 83. Zero, zero. Verona Wine Cellars, located on 360 Bloomfield Avenue in Verona, New Jersey, provides top-of-the-line alcohol, especially wines, for any occasions and at any price. Stop in and tell my guy, R. Pete Patel, that Sergio Rodriguez sent you. Verona Wine Cellars. In what might have been one of the better games the entire weekend, Kansas City beat Cleveland 33-29. to Great game. Great game. But Cleveland blew a chance to win this game multiple times. Up 15-3, up 22-10 at the half. In the second half, their possessions went like this. Fumble. Touchdown, turnover on downs, punt, and interception. Four of those five drives, you can't have. Not when you're trying to win a game like that against Kansas City. And it came back to bite them. Mahomes, 27 for 36, 337 and three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, phenomenal like always. 11 for a buck 97 and a touchdown. Baker was efficient i mean he was 21 for 28 and like always used a lot of receivers but he's got to be better on third down they were only two for seven on third down and 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 last year that was also an issue so that's something that for you browns fans or for you people that are uh you know rooting for the browns you know from week to week as fans of other teams if you're gambling or something like that keep an eye on how their third down conversions go as the season goes because it was an issue last year and it already started in the same situation this year. 
The Chiefs are at Baltimore in what will be a, a, just a great game next week. And Cleveland's at home to the Texans. Miami 17-16 over the Patriots. Nothing special in this game from the Dolphins. In fact, how the Dolphins won, I have no idea. They lost the time of possession 37-23. to 23. Biggest disparity of the week of any team. Only got 16 first downs. They ran 18 less plays. Completed only 16 passes for 202 yards. And they only ran for 74 yards. And they still won the game. I don't know if that's an indication more so of the Patriots or Miami's formula stayed the same from last year. Do enough and get a turnover or a special teams play. Because in fact, Tua even tried to throw the game away. With uh, with about 10 minutes to go, he heaved up a ball to avoid a sack, gave the ball to the Pats in phenomenal field position. The Pats drove down, and with like three minutes to go at the Miami 11, fumbled the ball in a possession that could have put the game away for them. If you're Miami... You take the win, you get out of there, you don't apologize for it, but understand that don't be fooled into believing that things are okay with your team. You still can't play this Russian roulette every week of the defense has to make a play in order for us to win. Mac Jones, 29 for 39, 281 and a touchdown. The Bills are at Miami next week. Miami's got a chance to go 2-0 and and put a stranglehold early on this division in terms of tiebreakers, and the Pats are at the Jets. The Broncos traveled to New York and beat the Giants 27-13. The Giants got a window-dressing touchdown on the last play of the game. They were just totally, totally outplayed. And look, let's start here first with the Giants. Can you please get your head coach a rule book? Calling a challenge on a scoring play. I mean, and that's just coaching 101. When you know that every scoring play is reviewed. And then he says that he threw the flag and get this. Not because he didn't know the rule. Because he was throwing the flag to get the referee's attention. Really? Really? The play's going to be reviewed anyway. What, what attention do you need? And at that point, run on the field. I mean, it's a it's a stoppage. I mean, th- that not only was the, the the challenging of the play moronic, but the explanation trying to hide the fact that he didn't know the rule and he made a mistake was even worse. Teddy Bridgewater, twenty eight for thirty six, two sixty four and two touchdowns. Melvin Gordon, eleven for one hundred one and a touchdown. Danny Penny's statistically, I guess, was okay. I mean, 22 for 37, 267 and a touchdown. I mean, he did have his usual fumble in the game. The Giants only had the ball for about 25 minutes of the entire game, and now they have to travel on a short week to Washington, both at 0-1. Denver is at the Jags. The Rams... 34-14 over the Bears. You know, that game on Sunday night was 
a good indication, I believe, of what Matt Stafford's career would have been like if he would have had a little bit more talent around him. You know, Stafford put up great numbers and really only threw the ball 26 times. He was 20 for 26, 321, and three touchdowns. But there was no need to make forced throws like we saw him for the last 10 years in Detroit. Um, I'm very excited to watch Matt Stafford with this team. I think the Rams are just going to be good, um, really good. And, and more importantly, if they stay healthy, this could be, this could be a special season for the Rams. It, despite of the fact that that division is going to be a really, really good, tough division. You might get a team not make the playoffs, be over 500. Cooper Cup, 7 for 108 and a touchdown. Dalton, he's Andy Dalton. Really not much to say. We know that eventually Fields is going to be the quarterback here. It's just a matter of does it happen by week four or five or does it happen at some point next week if they're struggling against Cincinnati. Montgomery, 16 carries for a buck 08. And, you know, the the issue here with the Bears, too, was also the early turnovers, the turnovers that they had in the game. You just cannot do that in a game where you're an underdog to begin with. Like I said, Chicago's at home to Cincinnati, and the Rams are at the Colts. The Saints, 38-3 over Green Bay in a shocking not result because it's not like the Saints are not a good team. First of all, they're phenomenal defensively. So them winning the game didn't surprise me. But, man, did Green Bay look all whacked out. They looked out of sorts, no rhythm. The offensive line, which... We knew early because of some injuries and some, you know, they were going to be, they were going to struggle a little, but Aaron Rodgers has always been a guy that could cover up mistakes, could cover, you know, can, can cover up deficiencies, I should say. And he just could not do it. He was part of the problem on Sunday. He was 15 for 28, a buck 33 and two interceptions. I mean, Rodgers throws like five or six interceptions per season, and he threw two in one game. Now, I am going to tell you one thing. I saw a lot of people talking about Jameis Winston and, and uh, you know, he could be back and et cetera and the coaching, blah, blah, blah. Look, he only threw the ball 20 times. Now, he did throw five touchdown passes, so let's give him credit for that. He was... He was really good, but they also showed you, Sean Payton also showed you how he's going to try to coach Jameis Winston to minimize the mistakes because make no mistake about it, he's going to have his two and three interception games. Sean Payton's just going to hope they don't become four and five. And how he's going to do that is by minimizing the amount of throws that he made. He only threw for 148 yards. You know, you hear that somebody throws for five touchdowns. You're thinking he's slinging the ball over the field. That was not the case. So keep an eye on that. Don't be fooled if you're particularly a fantasy football player. Don't be fooled thinking that Jameis Winston had this 
phenomenal game statistically. He threw for the touchdowns, yes, but it wasn't there. Green Bay, I, I don't think I've ever seen them that anemic on offense. They only had 229 total yards, 43 rushing, and they were under 200 passing. When would you ever think that of an Aaron Rodgers team? Green Bay's at home to Detroit on Monday, and the Saints are at Carolina. In a crazy, wacky game, the Raiders 33-27 over Baltimore. Derek Carr 34 for 56, 435 and two touchdowns. Darren Waller, 10 receptions for a buck 05 and a touchdown. Just an absolutely great game in terms of having a little bit of everything, including everyone shaking hands in overtime, thinking the game was over. They spot the ball then at the inch yard line, calling the runner down before he got in the end zone. And then the Raiders end up not scoring, throwing an interception of a tip ball. It, it, it was just crazy, crazy, crazy. Lamar Jackson with his usual, um, you know, all Saquon's performance, right? 19 for 30 for 235. And then he ran the ball 12 times for 86 yards. If I were the Ravens, I'd be pretty concerned about a couple of things here. Number one, they played with the lead most of the game. And that's usually a recipe for a win in their column. And it didn't work out that way. That's number one. Number two, okay, I didn't feel like their defense, which is something that they hang their hat on a lot because they don't get prolific throwing numbers. Their defense was was bad, was bad. They gave up 491 total yards against the Raiders. And look, the Raiders have a nice offense, but part of that offense involves Josh Jacobs and Jacobs only ran the ball 10 times for 34 yards. He did have two touchdowns, but they were under 100 rushing. You're not going to win in these in this league if you're going to be giving up 400 plus yards in the air to quarterbacks. You can and they give up 435 to Carr. And now they have a hell of a game next week. The Raiders are at Pitt and Baltimore is home to Chicago. I'm sorry, to the Chiefs. A couple of things before we go over next week's lines for the games for the games next week that I want to discuss. And it's 0-1 teams. And it's always one of my favorite topics to discuss every year is who are the 0-1 teams and where are they playing and what is the situation and what is at stake here. So there's about, you know... 11 games here that involve teams that are 0-1 who, who either have playoff aspirations or could put themselves in a situation where the season could be really over two weeks in. Washington and the Giants are both 0-1. Okay, let me look at the line for that game. Let me look at that line for that game. Whew. 
Washington's favorite. Um, even with that quarterback play, their favorite. Both those teams feel that they have the opportunity to win that that division, the NFC East, because the division is not as strong as it's been in the past, in the past years, not recent past, in the past years. But at 0-2 in the division, you're going to be a little bit behind the eight ball because these are the games that need to be won. You have to figure out a way, if you want to win this division, to go 4-2 and two in the division because that will set you up pretty regardless of what happens outside of division. So this is an early game, and Washington plays most of their division games late in the season. In fact, I think they play them in a row. So that is a crucial early game for both teams within the division, not for the league. Neither of these teams are going to be impactful as the season goes along, but it's going to be impactful for the division early on. Dallas is 0-1 going to the Chargers. You know, Dallas can afford to lose this game. It's weird. They're probably the 1-0-1 team that can afford to lose this game and still be okay because the division they play in is not going to, nobody's going to run away, especially if the 49ers uh, go into Philly and win. So uh, the Bears are in a must win against Cincinnati if they're going to have some semblance of a season. Cleveland should be okay at 0-1 at home against the Texans. The Colts have to win against the Rams. Can't go 0-2. The Bills, I think, are in the biggest must-win situation this week at Miami. Pats are also 0-1, but they're at the Jets. Minnesota's also 0-1, and they're at Arizona, but they got helped a little with a couple of the losses in their division. The Titans have to win also at Seattle. The Ravens are definitely in a must-win situation because they got hurt by Pittsburgh winning at Buffalo. And Green Bay should be okay hosting Detroit. So those are those games that you have to look at for week one, uh, for week two of the NFL for the teams that are 0-1. Stan Sports Center. Stan Sports Center is your local full-service authorized team dealer for all of your favorite sports brands. Family-owned and operated, Stan's has proudly supplied apparel, uniforms, equipment, varsity jackets, and much more for the entire tri-state area since 1946. Find them online at stansportsctr.com and contact them today for your sporting goods needs and stan sports is the proud sponsor of the sergio rodriguez gambling portion of the show which by the way last week we gave you seven games to start the nfl season we went five and two continuing what we started for you guys last year where we were 23 games over 500 which again is unheard of and everything's on the instagram you can find the picks on the Instagram at the Sergio Rodriguez show. It's always there every week. I normally post them on Friday or Saturday. If there is a Thursday game, I will throw that up on Wednesday. 
But go there. Make yourself some money. Start paying some of your college bills for your kids. Game one, Washington is a three-point favorite. And the total is 41. They're at home against the Giants short week. The line's trending to be a low-scoring game. Um, You know, the Giants have a shot here based on the line because they're basically telling you these two teams are even right now on a neutral field with this line. So um, if I had to bet something, I'd probably bet the under in that game. But I, I would, you know, if you're a Giant fan or if you're a, a better of home teams, don't go too crazy. That line, that line's telling you the Giants have a shot. New Orleans is a three and a half point favorite on the road against Carolina. I actually like Carolina in that game. Like I mentioned earlier, I think that New Orleans caught Green Bay at, on a good day. And I know the defense is obviously going to be really good, but I, I'm not sold on Jameis Winston. I believe that the game plan for that game is going to be very vanilla. This is another game where you could get a lot of uh, a, a low scoring, uh, a low scoring game. Cleveland's 12.5-point favorite, and the total's 48 against Houston. Cleveland will roll in this game. Chicago's a 2.5-point favorite at home over Cincinnati. I'm surprised the line is that low. I figured that line would be about 5. You know, it's worrisome. This is a game I probably would not touch because at 2.5, it almost seems like they want you to bet Chicago, and that scares me. Pittsburgh's a five and a half point favorite at home over Las Vegas. The total's 48 and a half. Las Vegas with the short turnaround, the short week. Playing at Pittsburgh in September is not as bad as playing in Pittsburgh in November. Um, I would probably take the five and a half points in this game if I had to. Again, I haven't broken down any of these games. This is just something that I'm giving you a, a a a brief synopsis on I will have my picks out later on in the week but if I had to make a choice right now I'd probably take the Raiders and the points Buffalo's a three and a half point favorite at Miami that tells you all you need to know in this game Buffalo's gonna win this game and you know what what what's interesting is that they lose at home Miami wins against New England on the road and they're still a home dog to Buffalo. I'm going to say that Buffalo wins that game by at least 10 points. The Rams are a four-point favorite on the road against Indianapolis. So a little bit of a weird line. That's something that you might want to wait and see. There's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. If you're going to bet the over in that game, bet it early in the week because that line might end up closing closer to 48 and a half or 49. San Francisco's a three and a half point favorite in Philly. If the game goes down to three, bet Philly. If the game goes up to four, bet the Niners. Denver, six point favorite, totals 45 against Jacksonville. This is a game where you might want to take Jacksonville, believe it or not. That line seems a little off based on the way that Jacksonville played, I'm a little nervous about that line if I were betting Denver. If I had to, I would bet Jacksonville. 
New England's a five and a half point favorite. Totals 42 in that game. That game's a stone cold under. Book it. Arizona, four and a half point favorite at home against Minnesota. There will be a lot of points scored in this game. Can Minnesota compete for four quarters without the penalties and without the turnovers? If they do, they should have a great chance to win this game. Tampa Bay's a 12 and a half point favorite at home against Atlanta. Tampa Bay rolls. Seattle, five and a half point favorite. At home against Tennessee, the total's 54 and a half. High total. What that's telling you is that they expect Tennessee to come out with a little bit of a high octane offense this game, this game after being shut down essentially last week. So the over's probably in play in that game. The Chargers are a three-point favorite at home against the Cowboys. Weird line. They're basically telling you this game's a pick 'em. Tells you the Cowboys have a shot similar to the same situation that we saw earlier with Buffalo and Miami. Chargers won on the road, go home, and they're only a three-point favorite. I would say that's a game you stay away from. Kansas City's a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Baltimore. I'm not a big fan of Baltimore. I believe that in these games, you have to throw the ball to win. And this is a game that if they fall behind 10-3, 14-6, the game could be over. And then the Monday night game, Green Bay's a 10.5-point favorite. Look, I know a lot of people are saying that Aaron Rodgers' issues during the offseason could have affected week one. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the recipe to fix that is coming. Expect Green Bay to hang at least 35 points in this game and get back to where they were last year. Next week, we're going to try to do a little college football segment along with the NFL just to give everyone a little recap of where the early season stuff is for that. And we're going to most likely have a guest join us to do a little recon into weeks three and four after week two once we have some of these teams that are 0-2 and with their backs up against the wall remember that you're listening to the Sergio Rodriguez show a show unlike any other